0: It's been great, and it's also been really fascinating to hear the themes that come up in every episode and the ways in which people's experiences, even if they're so different, that so many, uh, like this idea of connection and feeling more connected to your community and more connected to the world around you and the changing of the seasons and sharing that with your kids, that's something that almost every guest has talked about, and It's not something that I think I would have picked out before doing this and talking to so many people as an overarching thing that people take away from family biking.
1: Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyriders? This is Kat, and you're listening to episode number 33 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. Why? Because I believe in the transformative power of the bike in our lives, in our communities, and the world at large. And I believe that the world would be made a better place if more women were empowered through cycling. On this episode of the Joyride, I chat with Sarah Copper of the podcast Family Pedals. We'll talk about what she's learned so far from podcasting, family bike camping, mom snacks, and keeping slush off the kiddos. But before that, friends, if you happen to catch this show before January 28th, 2018, and you're in the Portland area, we'll be doing a group ride to see the Ovarian Psychos film, which is playing at Hollywood Theater. Ovarian Psychos is a film that rides along with an inspiring and strong group of women of color cyclists in East LA. Check out the show notes for the trailer, and event details. Our group ride starts at Ex Novo Brewing and is open to all genders. Come say hi. Okay, Joyriders, you can find the show notes at thejoyridepodcast.com forward slash 033. Make sure you tag the Joyride Podcast in your Instagram story to share what you're doing when you listen to the show. Like maybe walking your dog or something. Um, All right. Well, without further ado, let's dive in. Let's meet Sarah Copper. Sarah Copper, welcome to the Joyride.
0: Thank you for having me. Hey, I'm so excited that you're
1: here. And by here, I mean wherever in the world you are. Yes, I'm in Bloomington,
0: Indiana right now.
1: Bloomington, Indiana. Is uh, is that where you learned to ride a bike?
0: It is not. I grew up in Columbia, Missouri, so a very similar feel, a uh, college town in the Midwest, but I've only been here in Bloomington for about two years.
1: Gotcha. Um, so tell me a little bit, you're the host of a podcast called Family Pedals. Tell me a yes. little bit about your show and about where bicycling fits into your life.
0: Sure. So I started Family Petals back in August, and really I was setting out to create a show that I wished I had when I was pregnant with my first child. And we had been living car free at that point for about three years, but I didn't really know people who were doing that with kids, and it all felt it all felt very overwhelming. And there was a lot of, "Oh, you're having a kid now; you must need a car, right?" And we really wanted to keep going being car free. And there were great blogs and I did find wonderful resources, but I just wanted to hear the conversation and to feel that sense of community that we are not out here on the edge. There are other people doing this and making it work and enjoying it. So Family Pedals, I interview different people who are either living car-free or car-light with kids and just chatting with them about how they make that work, what the challenges are, what they really love about it, and advice they have for other people who are curious or interested in that.
1: Wow. And that sounds like that can be such a dynamic show because just like bicycling and families, I mean, there are just exponential permutations that you can have on all of these kinds of things.
0: Yes, I've learned so much from doing it. And I've gotten a lot of great advice from people who are a little bit ahead of me on the path that have older kids and how they're making all those transitions and just hearing how people are doing it in really different locations, too. I talked to one man who lives in the suburbs of Phoenix, which is not exceptionally hospitable, you would think, to biking as a family, but how he makes that work and other people in more traditional uh, cities that you think of for biking, like Vancouver, and then in between. So that's just been really interesting to hear about how people make that work.
1: So how did you decide to go car free, or I'm assuming car free as opposed to car mm-hmm. light for your family? What's What's that story?
0: So my husband and I both went to graduate school at Oregon State University, and we drove out there in our Honda Accord. And at the time, he had just gone from really using a car for everything. And then that summer, he just flipped a switch and went to biking everywhere. And I had been dabbling in it before. And I had been biking for transportation for a few years before that, but still using the car a lot. And once we got out to Corvallis, we just considered that to be a cyclist paradise mm-hmm. compared to where we had been living in Arkansas. And it was so easy. Easy not to use the car that it was just sitting parked. We, unless we were going out to go hiking somewhere in the mountains, we had no use for it. And so it got to a point where it was like, well, should we just sell it? You know, is that the right choice? And we decided, you know, let's try it. We're in a great place to make it work. And if it turns out later in life we need to buy a car and need to make a different choice, we can do that. But this seems like a great opportunity to test those waters and just see how it goes. Oh my gosh,
1: Corvallis. Yeah. I mean, some of the, the the towns around here in Oregon are just so bike friendly. Some of them are certainly not. Um, But on the, the Western portion of the state along that, that I-5 corridor there. Yeah. Between Corvallis and Eugene. And um, so, so that was sort of like your gateway drug, OSU Mm -hmm. Corvallis. And then um, how long, when did you move from there to, I don't know that you made the jump right to Bloomington. So how did you bring the car-free lifestyle with you to wherever you are now?
0: Yes. So I think that we just had that same attitude of, let's try it and see how it goes. So first we made a stop back in Columbia, Missouri, where I grew up, and that was pretty okay. It was a really horrible winter that year. And I walked almost everywhere when I was there. Very cold, but it was doable. And then we ended up in Austin, Texas for about four or five years. And that was my first time being in a big city, bigger city, trying to make that work. And it just, we kept having that openness to figuring it out. And my husband actually worked at the city in the bicycle program there. Uh, as an engineer, and so he naturally met a lot of people who were also interesting in biking and could show us the ropes and could help us figure out how to navigate the city and the best ways to do that, and made us feel really comfortable there. Um, so and then, at that point, we were also being very particular about where we chose to live, because, as I'm sure you know, that makes such a huge difference in how possible it is to get around by bike, yeah entirely. and there are locations where you really, really can't make that work in a safe and comfortable way. And so we were just willing to make a lot of sacrifices in terms of other things about our house, as long as we were someplace that was walkable and bikeable. And that became even more important after we had kids.
1: So you started off the show by basically creating something that you wish that you had access to while you were pregnant and uh, uh, trying to navigate the space. Um, Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about what that time was like for you looking back on it now.
0: Looking back on it, I want to give the Sarah of yesteryear just a big hug. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think the first year of parenting is just challenging in so many different ways. And it's a huge adjustment. And we weren't living in the best location for that. That's something we learned along the way. And we ended up Um, Before I had my daughter, we ended up renting out the house we owned and moving closer to a better neighborhood to make it work because uh, it was a challenge where we were to be walkable to things. And we waited the first year both times before we started biking with our kids Which, knowing what I know now, um, I think I would do that differently, that I've talked to lots of families who figured out ways to bike with kids younger that I would be comfortable with now, but at the time, I didn't really have those examples, and the standard wisdom is always wait until they're a year old, um, so we did a lot of busing and a lot of walking and a lot of saying no to things, um. And then it turned into me just creating my own outlets for it and that this is what's going to work for me. So I'm going to find a way to bring people to the places that work for me. And um, I think it taught me a lot about being creative and thinking outside the box.
1: Speaking of being creative and thinking outside of the box, I love this post with like your entire um, your entire stable of bikes that you have, all of these cargo mm-hmm. bikes and like fun mm-hmm. Bucket bikes. How many? How many of these? Uh, how, I guess it could count them. But um, <laughs> where? How many do you have? Uh, where do you keep all of your bicycles? And you have a couple mm-hmm. that are your favorites, etc. Question mark.
0: Yes. Yes. So, we have two cargo bikes. We have the Yuba Mundo, which is a long tail where it has that ext- extended platform on the rear end that you can attach. Bike seats too. And then once they get older, there's like little cushions that go on with um, kind of a little railing that helps keep them in. And that's the first one we got when we were in Austin. And then we moved to Bloomington and it gets really cold here. <laughs> there's actually winter and having them out didn't feel very comfortable that we wanted them to be where they could be covered so we ended up purchasing slush off of the kids (laughs) yes okay cool (laughs) and the wind that when you're cycling yourself you warm up because you're moving but if you're a passenger you're just getting all the wind with no protection and no
1: warmth from movement it's so true and sometimes even if you can warm up because you're moving you know the wrong clothing, quote unquote, or not enough layers, and it really just cuts right through. So having that yes. that hard barrier there, I'll bet is so much more comfortable for, for the kiddos.
0: It is. And it creates this greenhouse effect, too, once they're enclosed in there, that their body heat warms up that space as well, Aww, since it's bees. so small. So... Um, we do, have the Madsen.
1: Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you again, but uh, do these no. two bikes? And we'll put these in the show notes, of course. Um, mm-hmm. But do these bikes have names? The Mundo and the Madsen.
0: You know, we um, no, they don't. So I have named my very my first bike as an adult. I did name, but I have not named bikes since then. So You're like we're
1: a little too utility yeah. for this. <laughs> we need to get huh. pe- we need to get people places. People got to go places. In this but if bike. people
0: have suggestions, if they want to look at the bikes oh and offer some ideas, I'm totally open to it. That's fun. <laughs> so the Madsen is the one that I prefer to ride. It has a much lower center of gravity. And I just feel more comfortable and stable riding my kids in that bike than I do on the Mundo. But my husband prefers the Mundo. So, um, you know, we just have different preferences on that. And then um, I have an Electra Ticino bike which I love. I love the upright feel. When I was first starting to cycle as an adult, I got a road bike and that was not the right choice for me mm. and not the way I like to cycle. And that's something I've learned about myself. So and this,
1: this Electra is more of, I'm looking at a, a photo of it. It's a mixedy mm-hmm. frame and it's like a step through frame. So you're, you're yes. in a much more upright riding position versus being aggressively hunched over the top tube.
0: Exactly. And it also worked great, when we first started riding with our kids, we used the Yep Mini, which is a seat that goes in between the handlebars, and you can't ride with that kind of seat in the hunched-over position, it just doesn't work. So, um, And that was one of my favorite ways to get my kids around, was with that seat. So that's the bike I ride when I'm not transporting human or other cargo.
1: (laughs) Did it feel liberating when you got the, the kiddo seat off of that? a little bit you know
0: it felt a little bit bittersweet because it was just such a pleasant way to ride with my kids Mm. to have them right there where we could be seeing all the same things and talking and sharing that experience in a way that's a little bit harder to do when they're back either on a cargo bike or in a trailer but I will say I love when I can ride the Electra just on my own going someplace because I usually am transporting kids that I feel really fast. It feels just really luxurious to be riding my own bike without the extra weight.
1: I could see how that would be appealing. I know the feeling after um, just after coming back from like a bike camping weekend and you um, or, you know, you come back and you like, Unload all the bikes or all the, all the bags off the bike, if you're me anyway, and then you immediately go to get a burrito. And that ride to get the burrito is the fastest ride ever because you've just been like loaded down with how many pounds for how many miles. So um, yeah. I can imagine what that's like on a regular basis since they're they're pretty attached to you all the time. Um, so tell me a little bit about um, vacation planning. Are you doing like bike Uh, kiddo vacation planning around cycling? What's that look like for you?
0: Hmm. That's something I'm really interested in exploring, especially as they get older. We have done bike camping trips, but I'm not sure that they reach the level of vacation at this point. Yeah, bike camping um, trip
1: might have been more of what I was going for as opposed (laughs) to vacation.
0: Yes, and at this point, we've only done one-night trips, and that feels just about right for the ages of our kids and just where we are with that, so... We have done two trips last year where we just biked someplace local. I think one was about nine miles away and the other one was maybe seven. So it felt like a very reasonable amount to go um, with all the weight and our kids and making all the stops that we need to make along the way and then getting to explore someplace outside of town. Super cool that's definitely something i'm looking to do more of and we have some friends in town who are really interested in bike camping and have done a lot of bike camping and um, the guy mark he was actually on family pedals early on and talked specifically about bike camping because his family has done a lot of that here in indiana so oh
1: that's um, fun i think I, i queued up that show i haven't listened to that one yet um what are the the names and ages of your kids there
0: so um, I refer to my kids on the podcast and the blog as H.P. is my son, and E is my daughter. Cool. And H.P. is five and a half, and my daughter is three.
1: Wow, oh. what great ages! Holy cow. Um,
0: yeah, it's been a it's been a really fun transition lately, where we're kind of out of that baby phase, and it feels like things are opening up to us in a different way now.
1: Um, I can only imagine what that must be like then to to um, get to explore the world by bike and also show it to your kids at that pace too, mm-hmm. um as opposed to the you know looking at it through a window or a windshield.
0: Yes, that was something that was really important to us is we didn't want our kids to be spending a lot of time in a car. so even when it was hard when they weren't on a bike yet for us it still felt like when it came down to the question of well do we want to buy a car the answer was still always no and a lot of that is because it is so fun to share that with the kids and it's something we really enjoy and that has brought us a lot of fulfillment and a lot of happiness and getting to show the world to our kids that way and getting to share our values with them in this really concrete living it out kind of way is important to us, but also just fun. I think it's more fun for the kids to be on the back of a cargo bike than it would be to be in a car. And so it feels good on multiple levels.
1: Yeah, that seems like so apparent to uh, get to have that experience together. I'm thinking about my, you know, my growing up experiences in the the back of, you know, an 80s station wagon that had like that flip up seat that (laughs) went, you know, so that you were like looking backward. And I just remember that being sort of like the highlight of the traveling experience on vacations or to, you know, wherever to, you know, grandparents house. Um, So I imagine that the cargo bike experience for the kids must be a, a whole bunch of fun.
0: And also just helping them see that that's normal and that cycling is something I came to as an adult that I just assumed if you go someplace, you get in a car, if you're on a bike, it's sort of just for fun. You bike around your neighborhood, maybe you go bike on a trail. And even if my kids end up owning cars and wanting to drive everywhere, that I feel like they'll know there's a different way of doing it, that it won't be this surprise to them when they're in their 20s the way it was to me Mm -hmm. of oh, there is a different way of doing it, that they'll know that there's these different choices available. Yeah,
1: I mean, clearly you're giving them that foundation. And I I think we're at a point in time now, it's kind of interesting with like the quote-unquote sharing economy and gig economy that you don't even really need to have a vehicle in a lot of places. And we're probably (laughs) going to see, um, you know, if you follow what some futurists or whatever, uh, if you follow what some of these folks say, The idea that we're moving into some of the more autonomous vehicles means we'll have less of them on the road. People just won't simply need to have as many of them. So um, it's kind of interesting and exciting to think that HP and E could have some different opportunities with like, not even having it be a requirement or whatever to own a car. Um, I I feel like uh, many of us go through the this phase where we ride bikes in adolescence and then you know it's standard to want to aspire to get a driver's license i think in a lot of places if you're that that privileged to have access to a car um and then we come back to cycling because we really loved it or it makes us feel good or etc all the different reasons uh it's pretty cool to think that your kids might have an opportunity to have that car-free foundation and then just be like, oh, yeah, that's, I guess, a thing people do? You know, that, that it's just more um, atypical for them. That's kind of it's kind of cool to think about that.
0: Yeah, that's the hope. That's the hope.
1: <laughs> awesome. Um, tell me a little bit about, since you do so much riding um, for utility, I imagine, uh, I mean, I've never been to Bloomington, Indiana, but what, mm-hmm. I imagine there's probably some pretty good access to things there. What do you consider in every ride carry and... Um, what What's your level of like mechanical comfort?
0: Yeah, so I have a patch kit that I carry with me all the time. In the winter, especially if I'm with the kids, we have a blanket or two in the back of the cargo bike. And I always have bus money with me because sometimes it's not going to be convenient to fix something on the side of the road and that it's easier just to lock up and get back home, and then deal with it at a later time, Um, especially when the kids are there, that I'm not always wanting to be dealing with the bike at that moment. Oh, my gosh. And we have been, knock on wood, very fortunate to this point to not have a lot of horror stories of things like that happening. Um, We're also fortunate to be in a really small place where everything, you know, I can walk home from almost anywhere that we're biking mm. or walk to somebody's house that I know or get someplace and hang out until we can figure something else out. But that said, I feel very comfortable changing a flat, changing a tire, and doing very basic level maintenance. Um when I lived in Austin, I had the opportunity to spend some time at the Yellow Bike Project, which is a community bike shop there where they teach you how to fix bikes for free. That You go and help fix up the bikes they have there that they then um, can sell to the community and learn some things. I wouldn't say that I feel terribly proficient when things get more complicated, but I do feel like I have the base level where I could watch a few YouTube videos and refresh my memory and make it happen if I right. needed to.
1: Um, that's pretty cool.
0: What? Any other shops there in Bloomington
1: or anywhere else that you want to give a shout out to?
0: Mm, we really love the Revolution Bike and Bean shop here. And they have just been really helpful and supportive and just so open to questions and helping you figure out the right thing, which is not always the case and is very appreciated when it happens.
1: Mm, it is not always the case. It's true. What do you have that you're looking forward to in, in the coming year?
0: Mm-hmm. I am really looking forward to the spring, uh, helping E learn how to ride a pedal bike that that was about the age where my son learned to ride. And I think when the good weather happens that she seems pretty interested on the balance bike and, I just remember how fun that was to watch my son figure out how to ride a pedal bike on his own and how much joy that brought him and how cool it was as a family to have him riding with us next to us. And obviously he can't go crazy long distances and he's still on the cargo bike a lot, but it was just this really cool milestone. And I think that will happen for E sometime in the next year. Yay! Uh, and that'll just be Really cool. Even just to the park, that's a few blocks away, to all be able to ride together independently as a family feels like a really exciting thing.
1: Yeah, that seems like that's going to be a super special, you know, moment when you when you kind of get to take a look at everybody just like sort of doing their own thing like that. Super yeah. cool. Um, if you could go for a bike ride with anybody in the world, um, and anybody living or dead anywhere in the world, who would you go on a ride with and where and why?
0: Mm, This is a great question. I think that I would want to go to Norway because I have not been to Scandinavia and it looks absolutely gorgeous. And I would love to do a bike tour up there. And I would probably want to bring along my high school friend, Bethany, who, we both started cycling for transportation around the same time. We came back home after our freshman year of college and both bought the same bike from a local bike shop and really encouraged each other to bike all over town that summer. And she's just a very adventurous person, and I think we'd have a great time exploring together.
1: That sounds like a bunch of fun. Uh, do you have some advice for for uh, folks who um are looking to figure out how to start going l- car lighter <laughs> how to get mm-hmm. how to get less car how to get car further out of their lives when they've got kiddos or they're trying to figure that out any advice where to start
0: I think going into it with a really curious open mind is a good way to start cuz I think a lot of people it feels when you talk about not having a car or going by bike there's this reaction Of, oh, I can't do that, or oh, it wouldn't work for these reasons. And I think it's really valuable to sit in the questions and just think, hmm, I wonder what it would be like if, or I wonder how I could make that happen, or I wonder who I could ask. And thinking of one thing you can do as opposed to, oh, I'm going to sell my car, or I'm going to sell both my cars, thinking, is there a place that I bike to? that or sorry, is there a place that I drive to that I could try and go by bike. So once a week, if I go to the library, I'll go by bike and just see how that goes. Because my experience is that once people do it, it's so self reinforcing, and that you want to do it more. And that the real challenge is just figuring out those first few rides, the logistics and the route and Um, how to make that happen. But once you get a few rides under your belt, it becomes somewhat of an addiction that you want to figure out ways to do it more.
1: I think that's a really great point of just like figuring out just sort of 1% more, just how can I get, you know, how can I do one thing that's differently here, instead Mm -hmm. of it needing to be this all or nothing, I need to sell my car. And, you know, just like get a bus pass or something, you know, like, like, um, doesn't have to be all or nothing. Just like what's, what's 1%, one degree different that you can do this time. Cause it's really more of a spectrum or it can be approached as more of a spectrum.
0: Right. And that we would get so many more people doing it if it didn't have to feel all or nothing. And, I had a woman named Rachel Jonah on the show just this week, and she really spoke to that about how just driving less is a really valuable goal and that just doing it a little bit is great. You know, that, that it shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm not doing enough. It's a wonderful first step. And who knows where that will lead you. And even if it only leads you to only biking once a week to one place, that's still great. And that there should be a lot of support for that.
1: Sarah, I want to ask you, um, I want to ask you a question about bike snacks, but I feel like as a mom, Mm -hmm. you might, it might be sort of like, um, you know, an albatross, we might have a larger Trojan horse question here because of the kiddos Uh and moms are notoriously have more snacks. Um, at least in my experience, Uh, tell me a little bit about like what, you know, um, long rides. What do you like to eat? What do you give the Mm -hmm. kiddos that's healthy, etc. and travels well? What do you got for snacks?
0: So we love to eat nuts in our family. So I almost always have cashews on hand, which for me is a great if I just have a small handful, it'll keep me going for a while. Um, And then lots of fruit, the kids really and I, I say kids, really, the snacks are largely for me i've had many conversations with parents where it's like isn't it funny how we always bring snacks for our kids and not ourselves and i'm thinking i don't know what you're talking about half these snacks are mine (laughs) so um all these but yeah we do belong
1: to me frankly
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) so we do a lot of fruit nuts and the kids really like crackers those are not my favorite to have um like the crumbs are just everywhere and I just find them less enjoyable but we really keep it pretty simple when we're when we're going and especially here there aren't too many crazy long rides Mm -hmm. so almost anywhere we want to go we can get within 15 minutes I would say
1: um I'm thinking about the bike camping trips and I'm thinking a little bit (laughs) Mm -hmm. about you know like what you probably did for that and I'm curious if you remember it
0: yeah, we. I remember we did a lot of quesadillas, too, that we do bean quesadillas and then cut them up into little triangles to have those as something a little, um, a little bit more than just snacky. And also cheese, which we had to eat it all on the way there because that was not going to be as, the, as pleasant on day two. <laughs> but my whole family really loves to eat cheese, so that wasn't too much of a problem. And on that trip, I'm pretty sure we also brought more special things that we normally wouldn't buy like we didn't do chocolate because that's so melty but getting some kind of sweet or candy that was exciting especially towards the end when they were not as excited to be still on the bike Mm. um, a few hours in because quite frankly they're not used to being on the bike for that long. So we tried to incorporate some things that were a little out of the norm, which is also our strategy on long car rides if we're on a road trip somewhere. So.
1: That sounds like a solid tactic. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to listening to this interview with your with your guest. Did you say his name was Mark? Yes, um, Mark Stasberg. Yeah, so we'll put a, a link up in that um, or for that interview because I'm curious to listen to it. Also, uh, any other. I'm sure at this point you've done like 10, 12 episodes Mm -hmm. or something.
0: Yeah. Um, I just released my 10th.
1: Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Double digits. (laughs) Um, So what, what are you finding about making a podcast with a bikey podcast that you're, tell me a little bit about that. What's that like for you?
0: It has been a huge learning process, as I'm sure you know, just figuring out how to do this at all. No idea what you're talking about. (laughs) But it's also just been, um, it's been so fun to talk to other people. I mean, fun is the word that comes to mind and just hearing other people's stories and these really different perspectives and also hearing how people who are listening are responding to it has been really wonderful and really encouraging and makes me want to keep going and Mm. keep doing this and talking to more people. So overall, it's been it's been great. And it's also been really fascinating to hear the themes that come up in every episode and the ways in which people's experiences, even if they're so different, that so many Uh, like this idea of connection and feeling more connected to your community and more connected to the world around you and the changing of the seasons and sharing that with your kids. That's something that almost every guest has talked about. And it's not something that I think I would have picked out before doing this and talking to so many people as an overarching thing that people take away from family biking. Mm. So it's been really fascinating to get that more meta perspective of what are the things that seem to be universally true in people's experiences and then what are the ways in which they are different
1: oh that's really interesting are you um producing the show yourself
0: i am it sounds so good one woman situation it sounds good <laughs>
1: thank you good for you i um i totally feel that where it's like you're you're doing the thing uh, and you're doing all the the dials and knobs on the computer and everything afterward um Yeah, it sounds great. It sounds like uh, just listening to the first, you know, if you listen to the first couple bars, it sounds like this is like an, this is an NPR quality show. (laughs) Sarah has this, Sarah's got a really great radio voice, folks. And it's not at all like my ridiculous, uh, little slightly spastic show that I do here. It's much more measured and focused and sounds, sounds totes profesh, Sarah.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, I was going to tell you that you have a great voice, and that's one of the first things I thought when I started listening to your podcast. I was like, "Man, she has a great radio voice." Oh, go on. <laughs> just and I saw that your um, website looks amazing. That did you just do an update on that? It I looks did. Really good. Cats
1: out of the bag. Um, yeah, it's really <laughs> funny. I've been using my. Um, I've had a blog website called Girl Eats Bike that I've done for like six years, and. Yeah, we did a lot of work on the site and I'm, I'm super excited about it. So thanks for, thanks for noticing. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's been so much fun to chat with you this morning. I, I really appreciate that you made the time. Uh, yeah. What, anything else that you want to give us any previews uh, for what is upcoming on Family Petals or anything else you want to give us a sneak peek on?
0: Well, I think in the coming year, in the new year, I'm going to have Davey Oil on the show from g and Family Cyclery up in Seattle, uh, which is a family bike shop. And I had the opportunity to go visit when I was in Seattle this past weekend and was just so impressed and very jealous, to be quite honest, <laughs> because we have nothing like that here. And I think he's going to offer a lot of great insight about bike shops in general, but also specific advice about gear at different ages and what's go- what works best for different family situations. Super cool, we'll be on the lookout for that. Um, I know
1: that we've got a lot of listeners who are um, who are riding, uh, you know, lots of women who listen who are moms and who are trying to figure out how to get more riding out of uh more time riding with their family so i'm I'm sure that that's going to be widely listened to and on the new site you will be able to find sarah's show family petals in the resources page we've got a resources page on there and so her show will be linked up in the podcast section so make sure you go and give that a listen and check out the show notes for this so you can see her Bikes and all this other cool stuff. Uh, feel free to submit uh, name suggestions as well for Sarah's. Sarah's taking some name suggestions for bikes, and we all know how well the internet yes. naming things works out for people. So, uh, <laughs> just kidding. I
0: cannot wait to see what people come up with. What's it like, Bodie? Make McB-
1: <laughs> boat pants. Bodie make
0: face. I think. Bodie make face. All
1: right, cool. Well, Sarah, thanks again for the time. I really appreciate uh, our chat, and
0: I look forward to hearing more from Family Pedals. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun.
1: Okay, folks. During the wrap up of the show, um, I commented to Sarah that I was surprised that there were so many dads on her show. I thought there would be more moms, and this is what she had to add.
0: I think that there's this really, um, especially with parenting. There's like all these like judgments, especially I mean, especially for women of. Um, Is that safe? Are you making the best choice for your family that I feel like I get that my husband doesn't get that I like sense that from other people. And um, I think that a lot of moms are intimidated by cycling for in like this in a way that the dads are not um, in my experience. So yeah, so that's been wanting to include a lot of those voices.
1: big thanks to sarah copper for coming to hang out with us um do make sure you check out the family Petals podcast and if you like the show share it with a friend maybe give it a rating or a review wherever you're consuming this podcast um remember friends life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage keep moving forward and until next time i hope you enjoy the ride
0: talking about, half these snacks are mine.